It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Monday edition of the Leach Report. Really nice-looking day right now. It's supposed to be pleasant, and uh, then the July heat comes back later in the week. But what a uh, really nice day we had at Keeneland on Saturday, uh, both weather-wise and racing-wise. It was just fun to be covering a live sporting event on the radio. Uh, thanks to uh, Tim Anstead, who is our uh, producer, and Bo Robinson back in the studio, Dick Gabriel, who came out to uh, help me a little bit. And um, we had a, a fun show and some fantastic uh, racing we'll talk about here in a minute. But I uh, hope you guys got to uh, tune in as you were doing whatever you were doing on Saturday. Coming up on the show today, we'll chat with Mark Story. He got to cover a live sporting event, too, the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky Speedway yesterday. So we'll talk to him about that and other things. And Kyle Tucker joins us on Mondays as well. Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. We'll start with some good news. The father of UK kicker Chance Poor put out a tweet yesterday in which he said that all 161 athletes and staff tested negative for COVID-19. Now, it's not an official release from UK, so there is that that caveat, but uh, one would think that Chance's dad would have a a pretty good connection to to good intel, so to speak, and um, that's great to hear if that is, in fact, the case for UK. Uh, UK, or rather SEC, athletic directors are meeting today with the commissioner. This was previously scheduled, so it's not in response to any of the moves from the Big Ten and the Pac-10, uh, Pac-12 last week about um, going to conference-only schedules. This was a, a meeting for the SEC. It was previously on their plan. The, AD, the commissioner, Greg Sankey, was on with uh, Marty and McGee on ESPN on Saturday and uh, really didn't sound too optimistic about football season. Um, but he did say that he had been advised by a uh, friend who's a, a, a some medical expertise that to to wait as long as you can to make final decisions because things can change from day to day, and so uh, they're going to push this decision back as long as they can, which is understandable. And I'd say you know, July thirty first is on a Friday, somewhere around there. They're going to you know at some point. You have to be able to be able to get if you're going to play a season, be able to get teams out on the practice field. So that would have to happen in August. So uh, still a few weeks for some things to trend back in a positive direction. Hopefully, twenty four seven Sports out with their preseason poll of the SEC race. Kentucky's picked fourth in the East behind Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. Florida and Georgia finished in a tie in the voting of the uh, 24-7 correspondents, I think, all across the country. Uh, Florida had one more first-place vote, but essentially a tie between the Gators and the Bulldogs. 
Rajan Rondo is going to be on the sidelines for six to eight weeks. He broke a bone in his hand while practicing with the Lakers down in Orlando. NBA games slated to start in about three weeks. Major League Baseball slated to come back next week. And uh, we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed that those things happen. Um, with uh, Jeff Pecoro on the Keeneland Show on Saturday, talked a little bit about that, and uh, he's still hopeful that, that it happens. But, you know, with guys that have pulled out and some of the issues they've had with testing, even though the baseball season is slated to start a week from, from Friday, it's uh, it's not a 100% a sure thing, although it certainly seems that they are, are headed toward a start. Uh, Len Bowden fulfilled a commitment to attend a, a youth football camp down in Somerset over the weekend. Um, nice of him to do that because uh, the story of the Herald Leader says the organizers offered him a chance to say, look, you don't need to do this with the coronavirus and everything. And he wanted to be there for the kids that he had promised to come. And so good for him for uh, honoring his commitment. And I saw some of the video on one of the local TV stations and he was going through drills and uh, seemed to be having a good time. And uh, it's kind of right in his element, seeing him interact uh, with his own son before that uh, he seems to have a, a really good connection with kids. Out at Keeneland, the uh, summer meet concluded, uh, I would think, a, uh, a rousing success given everything that went into having to adapt and get five great days of racing on the schedule and get the horses to show up uh get the horsemen to bring their horses so you had uh on saturday six graded stakes races some fantastic finishes and art collector won the toyota bluegrass stakes pulled away late from the philly swiss skydiver who was very game she had to press a fast pace the whole way never really got a breather and dug in when challenged but art collector pulled away late if you're into speed figures, he got a 103, which is higher than anything Tis the Law's ever had, and just shy, I think, of what uh, Honor AP's best number is. So makes Art Collector, one would think, a strong contender for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the trainer, Tom Drury, uh, said in post-race quotes that they might consider one more race uh, before the Derby, and if they do, it would likely be the Ellis Park Derby in August. And then Speech uh, was an impressive winner of the Ashland Stakes on Saturday as she dueled with uh, Venetian Harbor and then, much like Art Collector, was able to pull away late. Um, You know, it's some incredibly fast times, a lot of uh, record set stakes records and track records on the main course as well as the turf course over these few days at Keeneland. So I think it was a a lot of fun. Their wagering numbers were strong and a big success. Heading to uh, a break. When we come back, Mark Story will join the program. By the way, all of our Keeneland coverage last week was presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. We'll be right back with Mark Story, Kyle Tucker from The Athletic in the second half. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. 16 past the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mark Story from the Lexington Herald-Leader at KentuckySports.com. And you can read all of his coverage about the Quaker State 400 yesterday up at Kentucky Speedway at those spots because, Mark, 
like I did on Saturday, got to cover a live sporting event. How was it? Well, it was it was weird. Um, <laughs> you know, when I watch events on TV now and there are no fans, I can't really say that I've noticed that much or that it bothers me. But being at a live event in a you know huge venue, in this case a national level event with you know people who are you know the best in the country at what they do, and there's just nobody there. You know, it was it was weird. Uh, on, with respect to fans, I know uh, they had fans at the soccer match in Louisville last night. Uh, was the was no fans? Uh, I know there've been some fans at NASCAR races. Was this a NASCAR decision? Was it a Kentucky Speedway decision, or what? Uh, what went into that? That's a good question. I never was completely clear on that. My understanding was is the time the decision had to be made. You know, can we you know hold this? Can we, you know, can can this event be held in the state of Kentucky? Uh, that kind of where the the to get the state government on board, they had to do it without fans. Now, you know, obviously, you know, they had fans at, an, at a sporting event in Louisville yesterday, but not not nearly as many as you would have at a, at a cup race. So, yeah, I, that that's a good question. It never was entirely clear to me why that was, and, and it, that question did get asked. Uh, because they had to uh, obviously submit a plan to the to the uh, governor's office to be able to get to do this, and um, and then once their plan was in, uh, who knows? I guess we'll find out with time if they just uh, chose not to try to add another element to the uh, to the process of doing the ticketing and and so forth. Well, I think that's a valid you know valid question too. Just I think a lot of the the. I think a lot of the company, well, there's really only two companies that own most of the tracks, but I think they'd, they've downsized fairly dramatically, and, and I don't know if they could have scaled up in time to, to, to put this event back on at, at a full level. It's just there's, there, there are questions there that I, I, I've, I've not been clear on the answers. Let's put it that way. As for the race, quite an exciting finish. Oh, it was a tremendous. You know, last year you had the, the, the green-white checker, you know, with the battling Bush brothers, essentially side by side on the last lap for the win and you think you know there's no way to ever you know approach that the following year but a four wide pass going into the first turn on the last lap to win the race i don't know that i've ever seen that before and you know i noticed some of the national you know nascar riders were tweeting that you know other on a other than on a super speedway or restrictor plate track which would be talladega or daytona they'd never seen that either it was you know cole custer that was just an amazing move and, you know, he's a 22-year-old kid, and, you know, I wonder if he had more experience if he would have even tried that. But, you know, it was, it was, it was breathtaking to, to, to see it unfold. It was, it was really something. Uh, to feel, uh, just uh, from a standpoint of, of the job that you do, uh, I, I'm sure it was, was fun to be doing it again at a, at a live event anyway. Yeah, it was. It was really nice to, to, to be back uh, riding out of a live sporting event. March 3rd was my last one, the Kentucky-Tennessee uh, basketball game in Rupp Arena. And I think I said on this program, uh, on my previous appearance, I'm pretty confident I've never gone this long without attending a live sporting event since I became a professionally uh, a professional sports writer. How did it work in terms of your job doing uh, media work uh, in post-race interviews, et cetera, that kind of thing? Everything was on a Zoom call. Um, all the pre-race stuff, uh, all the post-race stuff, everything was done over Zoom. 
And then lastly, I saw something this morning uh, about a move. Tony Stewart's involved and uh, Ray Evernham with a, a move to start a uh, another uh, racing series for um, – Next year, CBS has signed on it as a uh, TV partner already. Are you familiar with that? With the details of that, I've seen the headlines. I've seen the headlines. I haven't read the stories. What I understand just from Twitter is that it's sort of modeled on the old IROC series, in which uh, used to be a series where people would prepare identically prepared cars, and then you would bring in the champions from the various series. You know, the the Cup Series champion and the IndyCar champion, and you know, just people all from all disciplines of motorsports and they would all compete in you know identically prepared cars i think it's from what i've gathered from twitter it's based on that model we're talking with mark story from the lexington herald leader we'll take a quick break uh, about 22 past the top of the hour we'll come right back on the leach report radio network chat with mark story of the kentucky hempworks.com hotline um the uh, soccer team in Louisville, Louisville City FC, had a match last night with about 5,000 fans. And I guess this was maybe the uh, first team sport that uh, occurred with some fans in the stands. And uh, from all reports, it went well. Um, they handled their uh, business of getting people in and out and socially distancing and masks and everything well and so we'll see you know hopefully nobody shows up with with positive tests and if so uh that's at least maybe a first step right mark yeah i mean obviously in the situation we're in with the virus you know it's a new virus there are so many unknowns and and that has been frustrating as we've tried to to deal with it but yeah yeah i think Kind of in terms of sports, you know, start with a relatively small crowd and try to social distance and see if it works. I think there's going to be some uh, trial and error in this situation, and you know, it'll, I think all of us will probably be mo- trying to monitor uh, what happens as a result of you know if there's any kind of outbreak or anything associated with the soccer match, and hopefully there won't be. And as you say, that will be kind of a, a guidepost on the w- road back to sports. I don't know if it was this way for you in the past week being there covering an event um i know being out at keeneland for several days uh and then uh, yesterday running a couple of errands i probably interacted with more people in a uh in that week than i have in a while uh if i had counted them all up and one thing came up frequently was is there going to be football or are they going to play football games and there's almost in some of the people kind of a, a desperation in their voice which i can appreciate just you know it's uh you know uh, sports you know movies concerts all these things are a big part of of our lives uh, but did, did you get any of that well i don't know that i had that much interaction with people oh, okay. I, I, all, all my conversations were over zoom calls oh. um, but, uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think there's a, a big, I think there's going to, there is a big pent up demand for games. Now, you know, obviously we need for there to be some confidence that the people performing in these games are safe. Right. You know, that's where, that's where we need to start. But, you know, I, I think an interesting question, you know, if there's not a vaccine, you know, are the fans going to come back? And, and I think I think that's a very interesting question. Are they going to feel comfortable attending games, even if allowed? 
Yeah, I think your colleague Jerry Tipton in his Sunday notes column caught up to a few uh, fans who uh, made that point that uh, didn't know if they'd, they'd kind of suggested they didn't think they'd feel comfortable coming back until there's a vaccine. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate question. And even once there is a vaccine, I think an interesting big picture question is, you know, we've seen in recent years that, you know, live game attendance that even at, you know, huge events, you know, SEC football or, you know, you know, pro sports, the NBA has been soft, you know, sort of consumer habits have, have, have begun to change. Now, is this period going to, you know, accelerate that process long term, even after there's a vaccine? Or will there be a huge pent-up yearning that will bring people back, you know, in the search to return to normalcy? I think that's a really interesting long-term question. I um, had a, a guy, uh, Randy Waters, used to work in TV in Louisville down in Atlanta now, and uh, he reached out with an email question for a project he's doing about two or three questions related to this. And one of them was, uh, do you think there will be some changes uh, that come out of the, this time that when we get back to normal, we'll stay in place um, for our jobs or for the sports. Anything come to mind for you that you think might last? Well, I think that's an. Inter- I think uh, I think video conferencing is going to be far more prominent across all all walks of American life than it was before this, just because it's become so widespread and everybody's getting comfortable with using it. You know, I'm interested just in terms of actually in the games, the high five, you know, the the post game handshake and stuff like that. Is are, mm, you know, yeah. is that going to go away during this period? Because you know, if it has to go away right now for you know safety reasons, well, you know, do people just get used to not having that kind of stuff? And then you know, does it does it ever come back? I mean, there's so much about this that I think is really fascinating in terms of how this particular period is going to change American life and American culture. It's going to make for some uh, some interesting books a few years down the road, looking back on this time. Yeah, there's no question about that. Mark, thank you for the uh, time. Glad uh, it was a good experience for you over the weekend up at Kentucky Speedway. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. At, at Mark C. Story on Twitter, and you can read his coverage of the Quaker State 400 at KentuckySports.com. We are halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. Kyle Tucker from The Athletic joins us next. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. The final edition of Coffee with Cal on um, Facebook is coming up uh, tonight, actually. It's not going to be the morning session that it has been. It'll be at 7 Eastern time tonight. Uh, it says on the release from UK there's going to be a special announcement as Cal's guests will include uh, several of his coaching friends. Tom Izzo, Mark Few, Bob Huggins, Rick Barnes, Jeff Capel, Quanzo, or Conzo Martin, and um, Frank Martin. So that is coming up tonight on uh, the Facebook page for the John Calipari Basketball Fantasy Experience. Kyle Tucker joins us now from TheAthletic.com, as he does on Mondays. I would assume the special announcement, Kyle, might be something to do with the program Cal has hoped to uh, get going for uh, minorities to have a chance to get some 
uh, internships and uh, career paths maybe opened up into administration? Yeah, I would guess it's something along those lines, uh, which, by the way, is an incredibly cool thing, and there's been a lot of talking. I mean, Cal, when he first uh, made this idea public, he even said, you know, they had a, uh, he had a great conversation on race with uh, several of his uh, colleagues, and, and uh, Reed Travis was on there and Victor Oladipo um, previously um, in discussing this. But, you know, there's only so much talking you can do. But, you know, how can you actually act and help? And, and this is a really, um, I think, potentially beneficial thing that can actually make a difference in, in Calipari's world, you know, in sports. Um, there's a million, been a million conversations about not enough uh, black head coaches, not enough black um, um, administrators and athletic directors, and, and that a media lot of members. Change, yeah, media members. A lot yeah. of that stuff only um, changes through opportunity, um, you know. And 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 if you don't have uh, minorities in leadership, then then the, you know I think just sort of naturally the way the hiring practice goes. Um, some of our maybe even uh, unknown biases uh, come into effect, and so you've got to you have to have um, diversity in leadership, and, and to have a, a leadership um, internship program to get people into all these different areas of sports, uh, to get them in a, into a training um, course is a huge deal. I mean, I really do think it could have um, some major impact uh, here at Kentucky, and. and you know, the cooler thing would be, I think Cal mentioned this too when he first announced it, was if other schools, if you can get other places to do it. Because just doing it in Kentucky would be helpful here. Um, but if you get a lot more places to do uh, something similar, then you have a, a wide-ranging uh, impact. If you see people that look like you do and, uh, you know, you're uh, in, in a job that you uh, – either aspire to or, or never thought you could aspire to. If you could see somebody that uh, is in in that job, it gives you uh, gives a young person then that, a chance to maybe think about it in those terms. Keeneland just hired a new president, and it is a, a female for the first time. And so uh, maybe young girls never thought that that was a job that they could aspire to, and now they can. So um, it, it can be significant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned that too. Women, uh, you know, how many uh, young girls were watching uh, the U.S. women's soccer team several years ago, mm-hmm. and, and so many other uh, breakthrough moments that women have had in sports um, that little girls can look up to and say, "I can, you know, I can actually be part of this." And uh, you have one of those. It is. It's huge. What's that? You have one of those little girls. <laughs> yes, I do have one of those little girls. Yeah, and, and just you know. Uh, you know, her mom is a is a, a, a rock star in her own right, and I think that's great for her to be able to see. But yeah, to look around and look on television and, and the things that you're interested in um, that maybe weren't haven't for a long time been traditional roles for women, uh, being able to see, like you said, someone who looks like you, one just plants the seed you, that you can do it, and actually gives you the idea to try a lot, and that's that's I think half the battle. Uh, Tom Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Let's shift gears to um, uh, the college sports world and some decisions from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 about conference-only games uh, last week. Is it, do you think, inevitable that other leagues follow suit? Yes. I mean, I, I just I don't see how, um, you know, two of the, of 
the five major conferences make this decision and everybody else doesn't ultimately fall in line. And, you know, even then, one of the phrases I keep kind of coming back to is, are, are we just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? Because then when you hear some of the comments that Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, had over the weekend, um, it's pretty di- discouraging. I mean, he, he did not sound optimistic. He did not. About playing football in the fall. And you know, more than that, I thought it was interesting that it seemed like a, a really kind of harsh admonishment of the general public. You know, you've had Ed Ogeron at, at LSU and, and Nick Saban at Alabama, and then just those general programs, their social media accounts and, and their uh, public service announcements, basically begging people in the South where the coronavirus has exploded yet again, um, just begging people wear a mask, you know, socially distance, do the things that public health officials have told us to do if you want to have a football season. Um, and, you know, Sankey was basically saying, you know, we've been telling people what to do and they haven't done it, and so this is where we are. And I think he said the reality is not good. Um, so uh, to me... You know, yes, I guess ultimately I think if there's a season uh, this fall, it will be all the big conferences playing probably conference-only games. Um, but the, but it's still a big if. I mean, it's a bigger if than ever now about whether it can actually get done in the fall. I, I, I do think, you know, I've heard some people say, and I do agree, they, they must find a way to play football uh, in the academic year whether that be starting in January or starting in spring, if that's a backup plan, I'm, I'm not sure college athletics can actually survive uh, most places going an entire year without college football. So um, they'll, they'll have to find some way to get it done. But, I mean, Sankey's comments to me were the most damning yet in terms of coming to grips with the, with the possibility that they really might not play football this fall. Talk with Kyle Tucker. We'll take a quick break, come back, and continue the discussion in just a moment here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Chatting with Kyle Tucker from the Athletic.com. Uh, when the Big Ten announced their conference-only plan last week, uh, if, and, and instantly around here there was a lot of talk about, well, there's no U.K.-U of L game. Subsequently, in the last few days, I have seen some stories where you know the ACC has not made a decision yet, uh, nor has the SEC, and that um, you know they they could um, maybe allow for a game outside the league in a situation like it's Kentucky, Louisville, in the same state, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. I think if there are games played, that I wouldn't be surprised if that that happened. Yeah, and the thing that's the thing that I would say. I mean, it's, it's also complicated, and, and maybe it's just easier to to have a blanket conference only. But to me, if if you ultimately do get to the point where you've got all the five power conferences saying they're going to do this, then another easy thing to do, because they all have the same or similar resources, uh, is to get those commissioners together and, and have the same standards for testing, for treatment, mm-hmm. or how you withhold players if they test positive. 
Um, because I think that's one of the big concerns. Uh, most of the majority of the non-conference games in college football are big schools playing smaller schools, and they don't have the same budgets, and they may not have the same standards. Uh, they may not have the funds to test, and you know, the same way. Uh, but right. I think if you if you if you're talking about just power conference schools, I think you say, you know, the only non-conference games we're going to play are these marquee you know, between Power 5 schools, and we're going to be able to do that because we're all going to have the same standard. Um, I think maybe that's a possibility. I mean, I, I, that's just I'm saying something that seems logical. I don't know that it's on the table. Um, and certainly, like, like you said, Clemson, South Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville, uh, Florida, Florida State, if you're in the same state, you've probably – the state has the same, you know, the, the same guidelines. Um and so those kind of make sense as well. I, I would hope that you wouldn't lose these big power conference matchups, especially the ones that are long-standing rivalries, if you're going to play any games at all. A sense that when this first announcement first came out last week from the Big Ten and then the Pac-12, that people looked at it from a from a travel standpoint. I don't think that's really what it was about. I think it was about what you're talking about. Or also could been uh, could have been a little bit of why are we going to pay a million dollars to bring in you know X Y Z state for a game that nobody can go to? Let's just you know uh, we've got these other concerns plus that financial issue. Let's not uh, even do that. It would be a you know a, a negative uh, financial deal on uh, anyway. And so there were multiple other reasons that had uh, I would think very little to do with travel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think a big part of it is those. Uh, again, most of the non-conference games we're we're talking about in college football are the are the big schools paying the the small schools to buy games a lot. Uh, you know, mil- a million dollars or more um, to come in and 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 play a game. Like you said, that even when there are crowds, those are usually the smaller crowds. And now there may be no crowds or almost no crowds. Um, it's just not financially worth it. And then you're also you also might be paying a million dollars to bring a, a, a busload of contaminant, you know, into yeah. your, <laughs> into yeah. your uh, program and your stadium. So, you know, I, I, I totally understand that piece of it. But, but again, if, if the power conferences say, well, look, we're going to play each other because it's just these are better matchups, people care about them, we're not having to pay each other for them, uh, and the standards, you know, again, I think that is actually a big piece of it, just knowing that everybody that comes into your – building is maintaining the same standard you are in terms of health and safety uh i think that could get done i was chatting with mark story in the first half and uh at a tell him about a uh, media friend that reached out for a story he's working on and uh one of the questions he asked was are there some things that will uh, come out of this time uh changes that will be kept in place moving forward mark suggested you know more zoom type conferences perhaps maybe for news conferences and things one that uh, i replied uh, for the story about was i said you know if you do go to conference only games and let's say you know you're playing you know 10 can 10 conference games instead of you know 12 with four non-conference and that the you know, TV numbers are substantially higher for those extra two conference games than they would have been for Middle Tennessee or, you know, whoever, uh, Louisiana Monroe, that the network comes back and says, well, we'll pay you X dollars more if you'll play, you know, give us a couple more of these games, um, then I can see that happening. Yeah, and, 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 you know, in terms of things that could could stick, I mean, I, I 
said this on a podcast uh, last week. To me, this this feels like it could. I mean, not necessarily you know with any certainty, but could be the catalyst for the thing that people have talked about for years. Do the power conferences eventually break away? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if you if you end up sort of by accident in this power conference only club for a year, do you realize, oh, yeah, people do prefer that we only play good games against good opponents. Um, you know, there maybe it is more financially viable. You know, if you just think about the fact that what we just said. For years, the power conferences are subsidizing the smaller schools. They're, they're paying these buy games every year, football and basketball. Every year, they're paying teams to come play them. If you go to playing only other power conferences, then you don't do that, you know. And and you know you save money, uh, and you as you said, you have a better product. I mean, would people rather watch on the SEC network, you know, Kentucky playing only SEC or only other Power Five schools uh, than they would watch them play, you know, Wright State or whatever? Of course, of course they would. Um, and so I wonder if this isn't unintentionally ultimately the catalyst that gets us started down the road of the the uh, i think they call themselves now the autonomous five um technically you know even more autonomy where they totally break away yeah i hadn't really thought that much about uh, that line of thinking but it um you know you could certainly see it as as a plausible scenario that it could uh, take us down that that road it's you know the whether it's the virus itself or just you know the business uh, of of sport. Um, there's a a lot that we speculate on that um, you know we we don't have all all the info, but it's it certainly seems logical to think that uh, there could be some significant changes in a, a lot of things. It could be travel and you know media and uh, the games themselves. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know for better or worse, I think this. Some some programs are going to use this, um, and, and really just across the board in the country. I think in businesses and companies, people are going to use this. I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to call it an excuse, but it is sort of an excuse to uh, get some things back in check that maybe got out of control in their spending. I mean, no, it's it's no secret. I don't think anybody would argue that in college athletics we've gotten completely out of control with salaries and spending and. You know, does your team really need to fly charter jets versus commercial or, or, or fly at all versus taking a bus um, in, in college athletics? Do you really need the water slide in your facility? <laughs> you know, um, those kinds of things. I, I, you know, do you really need 100 support staffers on the football, uh, in the football program and all those things? Does, does it really make sense to pay? your non-revenue uh, sports coaches a million dollars and things like all those things um, and your and your revenue sports coaches ten million eight to ten million dollars I think we're gonna see some uh, necessary scale backs that may never you know they may not go once everything's good again then they may not go back to what they were before people people in, in leadership in sports and, and in business are gonna say what do we really need? You know, what, even when you think about business, do we really need this expensive uh, office space when we realize that we function pretty well on Zoom with everybody working at home? I think stuff like that may be changed forever. 
And what are you uh, working on in the next week for theathletic.com? Uh, working on a, a couple things about this year's team. I'm actually working on a couple of really cool uh, bigger football stories that uh, oh, will good. pop here in the next couple weeks. Uh, and one really big project that I've been working on for a while uh, about a former player that everybody loves. Um, and that's all I can really say. But it's, it'll be <laughs> a massive project that I think when it's done, it's going to be really cool. We'll look for all of that coming up at theathletic.com. And uh, Kyle joins us here on Mondays to talk about it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hit our last break, and then we'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report Radio Network. Final segment of our Monday edition of the show. A couple of uh, Wildcat birthdays today. Uh, Josh Allen celebrating a birthday today. And Frank Ramsey, UK basketball legend, Hall of Famer, uh, was born on this day. And yesterday was Shea Gilgis Alexander's birthday. So a happy belated birthday there. Uh, Flavian Pratt, who rode at uh, Keeneland on Saturday, uh, was back at Del Mar to ride yesterday, but was taken off his mounts after he tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Luis Saez uh, was taken off his mounts here at Keeneland on Friday. Same reason. The bloodhorse.com site reports that they believe that uh, this is connected to uh, a race, an appearance at Los Alamitos race course on July the 4th because uh, two other jockeys, in addition to Pratt and Saez, have, who rode there that day at Los Al, have also tested positive. And congrats to Jacob Cook and Cooper Parks, UK men's golfers, finished 1-2 in the Lexington City Golf Championship over the weekend. Uh, Cook defeated Parks by one stroke. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question,